Hey guys, welcome back to the Banana Jam Podcast. I'm Eli. And I'm Jamie. And today we're going to be doing a red ring from r slash pro revenge. So, this first one doesn't have, oh, well, never mind. This first one is, you're not giving me an ETA for a fix. I'll flood your ticketing system. Posted by u slash lexmeet, capital L-E-X, and then capital M, and then just the rest of meat. This happened around 2012, back when I used to live in Southern Europe, one of the Mediterranean countries. I was a university student in a remote rural place. I had just moved to a new apartment and naturally my first order of business was to make sure that I have a running internet connection. The problem was that due to the place I was living and being so remote, there was only one ISP provider available. You didn't like the provider? Too bad. Anyway, I signed the necessary paperwork in time. Moved to the new place, set up the router and and all, and thankfully my connection is fine. That is until day three or four when out of nowhere my internet connection dies, but my phone line was working normally. Okay, no problem. I call the ISP to open a ticket. The representative is telling me that they will get back to me soon. A few days go, a few days pass by and I get nothing, so I decide to call them again. The representative tells me that they are still investigating the problem and that they will get back to me soon. Now this is the point where I'm starting to get frust- frustrated. I know what that the internet is in the area is fine. In fact, that my next door neighbor internet connection is great, so the problem must be something that is easily fixable, right? Wrong. A week passed by, and I called them again. This time, the representative told me that they that they have investigated the issue, and the problem is officially of unknown origin, which means that they cannot give me an ETA for the fix. I hang up the phone, feeling sad and perplexed. As I contemplate my internetless existence, represents the word echo of mine, unknown origin. We cannot give you an ETA. Slowly, my sadness transforms into denial. How is this possible? My phone connection still works, so the line is still there, and I know for a fact that everyone in the area has a stable internet connection. This must be a simple bug that is easy, easily fixable. This can only mean one thing. Some mofo has not been doing his job correctly. The denial becomes anger. How dare they tell me that they cannot give me an ETA? This should be illegal. What if my job depends on my internet connection? Not to mention that internet access is a basic human right. They are denying me my rights by not giving me an ETA. At this point, the issue stops being the internet connection. It's about the principle of the matter. As a human being and a customer, I am entitled to an ETA. I'll call the ISP again and try to explain my flaws to reasoning. No luck. The poor representative who listened to my rant told me that the only thing I can do is open a new ticket. Shocked by my inability to define my price, to just offer and hang up. And then a magnificent idea is born. Since the only thing that I can do is open a new ticket, then this is exactly what I'm going to do. From that point on, I was calling my ISP provider two to five times per day. Each time I was telling the representative the same thing. This is what has happened. I know that there are multiple tickets with my name on them already, but I want you to open a new one. Most of the representatives were pretty amused by my story. Everyone complied. A month later, yes, a month passed without the issue having been fixed. I get a call from the regional tech ex- executive of the ISP. The call goes like this. Executive long angry rant. You must stop opening tickets. You're flooding our ticketing system. More longer angry rant. At first, I was shocked at how aggressive the executive was. He was clearly one step away from starting to call me names, and 
and I, and I knew that the only reason this didn't happen was that these calls are being recorded and then my shock transformed the visible glorious erection. You see, my friends, this is the point when I realized what that I was winning. Well, are you going to give me an ETA for a fix? We cannot give you an ETA. The problem is of unknown, unknown origin. Then me. Then I guess I'll keep opening tickets. Exactly. Just hangs up. To cut a long story short, this exchange renewed my passion for crushing the souls of those who have wronged me, so I kept opening tickets at the same pace for another 30 to 40 days. I estimate that in the course of the total 70 days that this lasted, I must have opened more than 250 tickets. One day my phone rings, I pick it up, and it's an ISP provider who told me this. Mr. Mr. Me, is this you? Your problem has been solved. Everyone at ISP name is talking about you. Indeed, on that day, my internet connection was back. The cool part about this, however, was that I had internet all along. Remember my next door neighbor? She was kind enough to let me know her Wi-Fi password since day one. Well, I did not expect the last bit of that. That was pretty good. See, as you guys can see, this is going to be a pretty, not pretty long, but a normal length episode. We need to start getting back to this, doing this a bunch. So, the next one is called, I Catfished a Former Boss to Get Paid. Posted by you slash pristine accident 74. The word pristine dash accident dash 74. I used to work for a married couple, Billy and Gigi, who owned a business service public relations agency. It lasted more or less for a year. They seemed nice and humble, but in reality, they were shady and untruthful. The company began to falter because of poor management and zero intention to prioritize. Billy was your baby face next door neighbor type. He looked about 10 years younger and had a kind smile. He was soft-spoken and had artistic and creative flair to him. Gigi looked matchingly with Mother Earth incarnate attitude towards her children. She prided herself on being ruthless when it came to giving her family only the best. She could be really nice when she wanted to, but I found out early on that she was 100% about gossip and being two-faced. The company's constant changes were a red flag. They went from business services and PR agency to IT provider to a business incubator and indie beer partners. What I'm trying to say is that they try to dip their donut on everyone's coffee, figuratively. Some of us had no real way to escape. The lady working next to me was already 67 years old and scared that no one would hire her. I wasn't in a great place either. We were eight employees in total. They wouldn't lay anyone off because they believed that employees should just quit. They paid us only a portion of our salaries, incomplete weekly payments. Employees would run for the hills once they found a better job. Some of us were stuck. It was horrible. Then they would pay the normal rate for a month and then do it again. They never cut down on their luxury expenses, so the wife would post her shopping sprees or arrive in a new car like it was nothing. Zero empathy very insensitive. The husband was obsessed with making it big time, so much that he sometimes failed to see an opportunity right in front of him. He said he was Coca-Cola's brand manager. I swear I looked it up and I could never find any reference. Gigi had a display full of small local magazines, mostly about design and architecture. Architects. 
architecture. They were very proud to be a team member, but in reality, they just helped them print two issues. They wanted big business only, but in the meantime, looked down upon tangible potential clients, like the young Latino couple who showed up trying to learn more about their service. They seemed lost because they wanted something to help them set up a coffee business and had no idea how it was done. I talked to them and helped them into the waiting room. They even showed up with their baby in a stroller. That means they must have driven by and decided to come in. An impulsive client would be retained. The guy said his grandpa had a farm and wanted to create an import-exports company. Once Billy showed up, he listened for a bit, but kind of gave them a, but then kind of gave them an abrupt dismissal. That was a dick move because that couple opened their own business with somebody else and even had a, F, a Facebook page. It could have easily been Billy. Billy lined his office walls with posters of Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. His wife, chief enabling officer, put up signs on each room. The main employee area was the machine room, Billy's office was the chamber, and the conference room was a meeting of the minds. Every time an employee disagreed with Billy during a brainstorming session, Gigi would call them aside and tell them that Billy is your boss and you need to know that he is brilliant and a genius. I want him to have that kind of taste of success. I experienced that firsthand. I also hated brainstorming because that was never on my job description. They just wanted to pick everyone's brains. In the meantime, we had to see the Pandora jewelry, the expensive makeovers for their daughters, and the weekend at the spa updates on Facebook. Gigi's captions were usual about awarding, awarding herself after a hard week or because she deserved it. Oh, and I'd like to mention that she bought into the social guru phases about emotional distraction. So if an employee ever got angry, Gigi would tell you, remember the one who gets angry is the one who ends up losing. For anyone who's been in this situation, you may understand how painful it can be. You cannot leave the job because you have no other way, other job waiting for you. And pathetic as it may sound, some income is better than no income at all. This is an involuntary compromise and it's abusive. Why were we expected to pay for their luxuries via incomplete wages? My best friend's ex is into coding and programming and he agreed to help. If it didn't work out, at least we could have something to laugh about. We created a kick-ass fake website with a matching LinkedIn and the whole nine yards. To make a long story short, this is supposed to be an investment company and my friend would be very casual, nothing too eager. He started by liking my employer's Facebook page, then comment, before we knew my boss took the bait and was engaging. They exchanged emails and he was eager to share all his projects and ambitions. Shit. On the other side, the investors sent him a list of requirements like proof of concept, employer payroll, EIN number, etc. The investor agreed to work them if they could prove that they were legit and up to date. No bank account of confidential info was asked. Within three weeks, I was paid the equivalent to the two months and a half I was owed. The investor did an about face and never contacted him again. I left the job as soon as I could. My friend who remained until she got paid told me our boss seemed off and a bit down after he announced big things are coming but it all seemed to deflate. I never disclosed what was really going on. Edit. My boss wasn't scammed into paying money to the fake website. He was catfished into getting up to date with employee salaries that he owed. Edit. I expanded the story. Edit. 
For anyone who doesn't understand the story, no money was paid, asked from, or wired from my boss to the investor. That was a pretty good one. Yet, I don't think anybody should be working there, especially if you're 67. She, there's plenty of places where a 67 year old can get a job. She just needs to leave that job as fast as she can. Put out a resume before. Okay. Eli's gonna be reading this next one. And this will most likely be the last story today. Never mind, this will be the second to last story. We found one that's just a little shorter, I think. Alright, this one is competitor IT companies steal their articles. Posted by U slash Jerdman64. J-E-R-D-M-A-N. And then yeah, the number 64. I own an IT company, we'll call it Uber Tech, that strictly manages business networks, node, website development, graphics, etc. One of my employees was tackling an investing support request with instruction for making charges to a company's website. This happens from time to time where a customer gets confused with their various tech vendors or assumes that we provide all tech related services. Being an insurer, I can tell that my employee's call was quickly escalated with a frustrated person on the other end, and he was has already offered the pass to call of to his manager, me, me, Ubertech. How can I help you, pissed off website owner? I want to know what is going on here. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're calling me, and I don't know why you have my support information. Me. Sure, to be honest, I don't know who you are, why we are calling you, and why we have your support information either. But together, I think we can figure it, figure this out. I understand that you have a website and you made a request for some changes. Who hosts your website? Web owner, Derp Company. On this support website, there are instructions to send support requests. I follow them and now I have you calling me with my support information. Me, sir, I definitely want to get down to the bottom of this. We do not even offer website services. If you would please work with me, I am sure we can get an answer. What, what I want to do is have you share your screen with me and then show me what you did to re request support. I had him run our remote control software. He then proceeded to navigate to Derpco's support website, support.derpco.com, navigated through the customer self-services page to a knowledge base article KB on how to submit a support. He pulled up this specific KB article and I was star staring at a, a verbatim copy of an article that I had written on our own support site. There were no changes to the article including the step to email your support request to and it was my company's email address right there. Me, thank you for taking the time to show me this. I think I found the problem. No email address in the instruction is telling you to email ubertech.com. That is us. Now please allow me to show you something. I then scrolled down to the bottom of Dirtco's plagiarized support article and noted the creation date 2007. I then navigate to our company's support website support.ubertech.com and navigate to our own matching article we both confirmed that it was the same article and I showed them the creation date of our article, 2005. Web owner, oh look at that. I think it's safe to say that Jericho has stolen our content 
did not even update the instruction, misleading you just send a support request to us, whether or not I am sure you have a few things to take care of with Dirtco. I would appreciate it if you do not mention us when you call them me. Of course, sir. Thank you for your time with us. I immediately searched Dirtco's support website looking for more of our stolen content, found a total of five articles and promptly printed them out and saved copies as PDF. So what to do with the situation? Do I call the owner of Derpka? This is a small town, so I needed to be clever and not taint my own image. How do I get revenge? Hire a lawyer that leads articles as is and hope more support requests come to us that can bring us business. Revenge unleashed. No, I wrote a press release, news release, release date for immediate release, titled Ubertech, endorsed by local competitor. I got some great kudos from local business. One client in particular rolling. Two days later, I get an email from the owner of Derpco. I would appreciate it if you were to remove the press release from your website. This is a small town and it is just not good for our business. I went to their support site. Yeah, I went to their support site and still found three articles from our company. I wrote back and told them that I would be happy to do so, but they but there are at least still three articles on this support site that need to be removed. Two days later, I got another email confirming the article removed epilogue. In the end, I took down our press release, but still have our, a copy kept in our office and would tell the story to our new employees edits, fixed typos, abbreviations. Too long, didn't read. Competitor steals our KB articles and failed to make any revisions, leaving our company info in the instruction. We created a press release to announce how they endorse us at the instructions we're sending their clients to us for support. That was a that was an interesting one. That was, that was weird. Okay. Actually I think we only have time for a short one. So I think I'm actually gonna go to a another subreddit to see if we can find a shorter story. I'm going to go back to Entitled Parents, and I'm, this isn't going to be... I'm going to say featuring Entitled Parents, but it's only going to be one story. And this one is called Entitled Mother Demands That We Don't Take Photos of Her Son on Events and Complains When There Are No Photos of Her Son to Remember the Event. Posted by U slash Magnus underscore 40, capital M-A-G-N-U-S underscore 40. I am a volunteer youth worker. I specialize of canoeing, bushcraft, and expeditions. Every few years, we travel from the UK to France where we do river expeditions, cave, caving, climbing, etc. As part of the planning process, we have to gather information on the young people, mostly medical and legal stuff, and we have a comment in the forms of about opting out of photos and video. This is mostly for young people who have court-issued protective order due to having an abusive parent or a protected adoption or similar. Entitled mother latched onto this and used it to ex exert power. She stated that darling son was not to appear on any image or video or there would be trouble. So we complied with her request, subtly so as not to make um, her darling son feel awkward. After the week away, we compiled video of the canoe descent into the river, trip to the med caving, we have night vision cameras, climbing, river swimming, all of it, and we gathered all the photos taken by us and the participants. 
There were thousands. When we started this years ago, we handed out disposable cameras and maybe had 200 photos. We weighed through thousands of near identical images. We compiled slideshows. We compiled slideshows and created souvenir DVDs and memory sticks with the best images documenting the whole thing. Everyone gets a DVD and a memory stick. Great, great memories. EM entitled mother called shortly after hers arrived, complaining that her darling son didn't seem to appear in any of the videos or photos that, and he was quite upset. We pointed out that she had specifically told us that we were not to take any photos or video. She was furious that we had ruined his trip because he will have nothing to remember it by. Ranting and raving about us ruining his entire trip and we should refund payment for it. We never saw Entitled Mother or her darling son again. Sad because darling son really needed to get away from Entitled Mother before she ruined him for life. Well, I would be pretty pissed off too if my mom, if I wanted photos and my mom said, no, don't take any photos of him. So I think we're gonna end it here. See, this is a sort of longer episode. Um, but we're thinking about doing book readings. So what's then, yeah, what are you gonna read? Uh, read a book called The Mark. Eli's gonna be reading The Mark and I'm gonna try to read The Outsiders. Hopefully it's not too boring. So we'll see you next time in the Banana Jam podcast. Bye.